listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Get ready to launch yourself to the latest Rogers News. You're listening to the Launchpad Podcast, written by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Lashar Binkley. I'm a staff writer for The Dream Shake. And also, of course, you can always find me on Twitter, HTown for Life 40, all caps. Be sure to follow your official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU, as well as hit and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it, of course. And on today's show, uh, part two, we're going to be talking about, of course, the past All-Star weekend for the Rockets, as we have, of course, we don't have any Rockets playing tonight. So we're going to be talking about Friday and Saturday events and also, second segment, we're going to be talking about the actual um, season. We're going to talk about how the young core has done so far this season, uh, specifically the Rockets draft picks and Kevin Porter Jr. And then last segment, we're going to talk about what the Rockets um, are going to look like for the rest of this season. Um, of course, we still have actually less than half the games left in the season. Um, so we're going to talk about what we think we sh- uh, we're going to see from the Rockets um, going forward as far as rotations and how they look for the rest of the season. But before we do that, we're going to introduce everybody again this time while we're actually recording. <laughs> so I wanted to start off with Britt. Why don't you let everybody know again where they can find all your content? Yep. So um, name's Britt. I am a contributor at Apollo Media. You can find me usually on, usually on Twitter, sometimes on Instagram at Britt Robotista. That's B-R-I-T-R-O-B-O-T-I-S-T-A. And Mr. Tony. Hello, everybody. My name is Tony Coleman. Uh, I'm a part-time basketball analyst, full-time troll. Uh, you can contact me on Twitter at Coltrane underscore TNT. All right. Again, definitely appreciate y'all jumping on. And uh, we're going to go ahead and go right into it because, again, Friday was really the big day for uh, several Rockets players. So I want to kick that kick it off there, Britt. Why don't you... Uh, kind of give your opinion on what you saw from uh, Jay Shante, Alperen Shangoon, and uh, Jalen Green. Of course, again, uh, Shangoon and Tate actually won, uh, were part of the team that won a championship, and Jalen Green got really close but had a really good game. So what was your opinion on what you saw from them on the court? Yep, so I guess if we were going to ignore Saturday, I would think Jalen Green would probably want folks to do that. Um, for the Rising Star Challenge, I'm ha- well, first of all, I'm happy that they changed the format. I've yeah. been always wanting like a tournament-type format for these things, um, and I would love for the All-Star game to do that. Um, I mean, maybe it'd be good like last year, but um, when it comes to the Rising Star Challenge, it was really fun to see um, the different teams and for – Shingun and for Jason Tate to win it, it was very exciting I almost think that Tate should have won the MVP um I guess they wanted to give it to uh Tate Cuttingham but I mean it is what it is uh but I, I think all three had a lot of really good moments like you said Jalen Green had a lot of um he was very much um you know he literally kept his team in the game most of the game when they were like down he was the one who got them back and almost got them to win and then folks want to sort of blame him for them not winning it's like how many of those guys missed 
<laughs> three throats. So, yeah. um, I think overall it was a really good showing for the Rockets, especially for the young guys. It shows that the Rockets aren't just like this really awful team that they do have some rising, you know, players that could potentially become stars or contributors on their team moving forward. Yeah. I mean, it, just like you said, I mean, a lot of people, even before yesterday, just was looking for a reason um, to criticize Jalen Green. So they had it there, even though that last play was, I mean, he could have easily been a foul call. But like you said, he's the only reason they were even in that game because they were losing it for most of that game. And then he started to heat up, got everybody involved, got everybody back in the game. But I think if I'm not mistaken, it was Frost, uh, Franz Wagner, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember who missed the free throw. Um um, but I mean, wasn't it more than one? It wasn't it um, the OKC guy as well as him? Yeah, I, I can't remember. Yeah, which one? But they had a chance to end it right there. But again, everybody, you know, people that don't like Jalen Green are going to find any reason to criticize him. And they just found that reason there, even though he led all scores. And if, I, I think I saw some crazy stat where he still led all scores um, for uh, pretty much the entire tournament, even though he only played in one game. So, I mean, that kind of tells you everything you need to know how he played in that first game. So, Tony, I want to ask you, how much blame do you put on Silas for them losing that game? <laughs> I was not expecting that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but seriously, what, what, what did you see from, you know, the, just the entire, just not Jalen Green, but from, you know, all three Rockets that played? <laughs> uh, to tell you the truth, um, I don't put much stock into these exhibition games. Yeah, uh, I think um, a lot of fans uh, get way too deep into these. Um, but uh, to answer the question, uh, I think that uh, the young guys showed what we already knew. These guys could play basketball. I mean, uh, as much as just as all the complaints and all the slander and all that comes out, these guys are basketball players and they showed that they could play. Um, and it's fun to watch these guys uh, compete in, you know, uh, a less uh, competitive setting so they can, you know, show their skills and whatnot. Um, I don't think any of it is really going uh, to like push anybody forward. It's just an exhibition and, I think that they that all the guys had fun, um, but it was it was more of a, a showing for the rest of the people that don't don't watch the Rockets day to day. So you can see that a guy like Shingoon uh, was a hidden gem, uh, like a guy like Tate that people don't really know about. He got yeah. to to show that he's really good at the game of basketball, and of course, you know, people that they wanted to hate on uh on green you know they were quiet for most of the night but then you know of course they could find something to hate about you know it it is what it is but uh i mean i, I think those guys just show you know how good they are but uh let, let's not let those guys uh performance um make everybody forget that that josh christopher should have been there um he definitely should have been there playing in in one of those games uh that was a huge snub. Um, he should have been there. So, but, you know, I had fun watching those guys and I hope everybody else did 
too, and they really put too much into it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just an ex- exhibition game, like you said. But it's also funny. Um, I, well, I will say before I get into my other point, I'm about to say it's good to see Tate get some recognition because you know he went so long being undrafted and being overseas, and then no teams wanted him. And it's good that he was getting some recognition, even though it took them a while to at least the announcer of the game to figure out basically who any of these Rockets players were. I think at some points they were even calling, wasn't even getting Shangun's name right. It was just funny to listen to it I mean, and bring up plus minus about the Rockets. It's just kind of crazy in the exhibition game, but I guess it's just kind of par for the course when it comes to Rockets players. But I think it, 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 does, it does shine light on players like Jay Sean Tate so that more people can see that, hey, he's actually a, a good player. And I think – Shangun has been getting kind of recognition for a while now, and people even see that more. So I think at the end of the day, it was Friday night was really good for the, you know, Rockets players, especially the young core. Um, but unfortunately, we kind of do have to talk about what happened yesterday. Um, so we had, of course, we had the, the three point contest at the skills challenge, and then Jalen Green was actually in the slam dunk contest and had the benefit of going last, which you would think that would be the, probably the best thing so he can kind of see what everybody else was doing and not doing in many cases last night. But unfortunately, um, it didn't work out that way. Um, I don't know how many attempts Green got up to, but it was pretty close to double digits if he didn't get to 10. So, uh, Britt, why don't we start off with you? What was kind of your overall impressions of uh, the not slam dunk contest from last night? And actually, you know, if I'm just looking at it, he had the best dunk of the night. Just unfortunately, he tried to do these extravagant dunks that he probably didn't need to do, especially in the first dunk. But what was your opinion on him? Yeah, I agree. I think his second dunk he should have done first. Like, he should have did a pretty basic one because all the rest of them weren't doing that great of dunks anyway. <laughs> yes. Like, it was really much a like a snore. But he could have <laughs> – I think he wanted to sort of have this – you know, highlight worthy dunk as his first dunk and sort of blow everyone away, which I don't necessarily disagree about that, but I I wish that he did a a simpler dunk um, for his first dunk, because I think he would have won the second round um, if he got that far either way, if he did that. So, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing and it's disappointing. Some of the stuff folks are saying, (laughs) um since this morning including like oh he should have had shingun um i mean i'm, I'm calling <laughs> out uh, uh, yeah but essentially it was it was okay it, it is what it is i don't think it says anything positive or negative about jalen green but i will say that i wish kj martin was the one who did the slam dunk contest instead that's all i'll say yeah and, and i mean i definitely agree at the end of the day he's gonna probably you know forget all about this and maybe he I actually heard him today saying he'd probably be back next year so I don't think it's going to affect him too much or hurt his confidence but uh what was your opinion on, on all that that happened last night uh Tony um <clears throat> well first of all if if uh coach Silas had given uh uh Josh Christopher <laughs> and and Jelly Green more touches uh we would have had that debacle that we had they, last night they needed more practice they they do man they they need more touches they need more minutes on the floor and they would have got this dunk contest right you know what i'm saying so uh that's my first thoughts <laughs> yeah. uh my second one is uh i agree with Britt. um i think that 
that Jalen was trying to, you know, bring the house down at first and it didn't work out exactly like it was supposed to. Um, and I think he's, we've seen better practice dunks oh, yeah. uh, from Jalen than what we saw last night. I mean, like I, I told my wife, I was like, um, there's a video of him dunking two basketballs at the same time. And I was like, I don't know why he didn't pull that out. Because yeah. because that probably would have got him a 50 because a lot of those dunks that we saw last night were, I mean, there was there was not some good dunking going on last night. Um, and, and the way he can jump, I mean, if he would have just kept it simple, I think he probably would have won. But I mean, it's the dunk contest has become what it was because people get bored for some reason when they see uh, dunks that look similar. And now we've reached like the terminal velocity of the dunk contest where everybody wants to see something new and fresh, but there's really not much more they could do. Yeah. I mean, unless you talk about jumping from the top of the key, which I don't think many people <laughs> are going to be able to pull off. So. Uh, they I mean, jump. They just wouldn't get there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, if they were going to change the format of the dunk contest, they should bring in some of those professional dunkers oh, yeah. and have you... them like match with a NBA star and have them like do a two man, you know, contribute, you know, a two man yeah. combo. That would be a great format change that, you know, since they have been changing all these formats before. Yeah, yeah. definitely having some YouTuber or, um, TikTok dunk or whoever, some type of trick dunkers. They, they definitely, there's definitely a lot of people that do this for a living that they, you know, probably could bring in at this point because a lot of the big time names um, just aren't doing it anymore. I mean, you had a lot of people like, you know, John Moran, you know, Anthony Edwards of the world, like, they're not even really inclined to do it anymore. I don't know if raising the, the, uh, the check will really matter to most of these players now, but I think yeah, it's, it's more just, the injury risk too. Yeah. Which is definitely a possibility because you're not having the Michael Jordans or the heck, even the Vince Carters of the world. I mean, last really, really good one, of course, we know was with um, Aaron Gordon and then Zach Levine and those type dunkers. And ever since then, it's just kind of been more of the rookies and young guys trying to jump into it. So, yeah, I mean, it was definitely kind of disappointing to watch that. It was kind of hard to watch. But then after it was over, it's like, eh, okay, well, on to the, on to the second part of the season and just kind of yeah. move on. But one real quick, quick, uh, real question, quick question before we wrap up. Um, this is kind of uh, what would you rather watch? Would you rather watch the dunk contest again last night or game seven of uh, the 2018 uh, Rockets Warriors fourth quarter? <laughs> Which one would you rather watch? The dunk contest, because that doesn't mean anything. I mean, at least the yeah. dunk contest doesn't like break your heart. <laughs> that's yeah, true. that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've watched that dunk contest a hundred times on repeat before I ever watch that 2018 playoff series ever again. Yeah. And, oh, one other thing before we wrap it up, that's why I'm like really weird about this this whole dunk contest. What do y'all think was the deal with Kenny Smith? He seemed like it's kind of going out of his way to discredit Jalen Green. It's just it was just kind of weird to me. I'm used to rocket slander. But it just seemed like he was just making it a real point, even to where some of the people next to him were kind of like, what is he talking about? Like, he just making a point to like, ah, Jalen Green's a in-game dunker. Like, that's a bad thing. It just seemed kind of weird to me. I don't, I don't know if y'all saw it or not. I don't know. Yeah. I, I felt like Kenny – or sorry, go ahead, Tony. Uh, well, I heard it, but I didn't really, like, 
like make too much of it. You know, like to me, it's just <laughs> it just kind of sounds like some some dry hating to me. But you know, <laughs> yes. that that could just be me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It just I felt like Kenny was saying interesting stuff the whole night. Like he was saying about how you know Carl Anthony Towns winning the three point contest that he was the best shooting big man in NBA history or something silly like that. So I don't know. At this point, I just take I, I know a ton of people love inside the NBA, but I just take them with a grain of salt. <laughs> but that's yeah. just my opinion about it. Yeah, I heard Barkley's retiring maybe in a couple of years and some people were sad and I was just like, hey, this <laughs> is kind of like, hey, doesn't bother me actually one bit if they get some new blood in there. But, you know, end of the day, I guess some people actually like it. But I don't know a lot of Rockets fans that are too keen on the inside the NBA. But, oh, well, like I said, end of the day, it's, it's going to be it's a dunk contest and All-Star Weekend. People will forget all about that. Jalen Green continue to play like he's been playing the last 10 games. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. In the next segment, we're going to talk about some of the young guys that have actually starting to really improve and play better and kind of give our opinion on how they look this first half of the season. So please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And welcome back to Launchpad Podcast, written by Apollo Media. And in the second segment, we're going to be breaking down the, the entire team, but really more the young core of the Houston Rockets, how they've looked this first half or first half plus uh, several games of the season. Um, so, of course, we're going to start off with the number two overall pick and talk about how he's looked. You know, of course, he had a slow start to the season. And then once he came back from injury, he looked good. And then he kind of slowed down again, like he hit the rookie wall. And now he's right back to playing really well the last 10 games. So I'll kick it off with you, Tony. What has been your overall opinion of Jalen Green this entire season and really especially these last 10, 10 games where he's looked a lot better? Uh, actually, I've been uh, pretty satisfied with, uh, with Jalen Green. Um, uh, I've been watching a, a lot of what he's – uh, been doing and the thing that I really like is that you see him working very hard on defense which I believe was the one of the negatives in his scouting when he was drafted um, and you can tell that he notices it and that he's working on it which shows that he really wants to improve um, he's not trying to hijack the offense even though uh, the bulk of Twitter fans are calling for him to take every shot and touch the ball every possession. He's not hijacking the offense because, you know, he thinks he's the number one guy. Um, uh, so I, I'm actually satisfied with, with how he's looked this season in, in total because, I mean, the guy's working. Um, he's working to improve his weaknesses and – uh, he's really not worried about, you know, um, basically trying to just depend on his strengths. You know, he's he's out there really working on his weaknesses in his game. And I think that's that's good for a young player. Yeah, I agree. And you asked, I, I like that you made that point about him not 
trying to take over the offense because maybe that's just not where he's at right now. Maybe he he's trying to get into a groove and not necessarily be – I mean, that's not really – that's never really been his game anyway, just being the, you know, ball-dominant James Harden type. I think people are getting him confused with James Harden, thinking that that's the type of player he is. Maybe eventually he gets to a point where he's more of a ball-dominant player, but right now it's just not his game. So I do like that he's kind of easing himself into it. Uh, Britt, what's been your impression of uh, Jalen Green so far? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with what Tony said. I think that it's nice, um, although it may not be nice for everyone to see him so um, unselfish in some sort of, you know, in some ways. Um, I think it could be very easy, especially with a team that is not the best team in the league yeah. to want to take every single shot and be as ball dominant as possible. But I feel like, you know, even when he was having his struggles at, you know, sometimes it would look like he wasn't doing everything he can, but I think he has sort of changed, especially the last 10 or so game, even though the record doesn't necessarily reflect that he has really shown that he's willing to put the time in to learn and develop. And even when he's, you know, sitting on the bench, you can see that he is watching the game and trying to learn and grow and you know, see what he can do to improve. So I, I'm pretty, you know, proud of what we're seeing so far from him. Um, of course, it could be like, you know, I, I know that he gets a lot of comparisons to his fellow, um, you know, draft um, guys. Yeah. And I don't think that necessarily is fair. Um, we'll have to wait a couple of seasons to see, you know, if he'll be, at, you know, his potential is what it is. But I don't think he's shown like a bad spot other than this um portions that you mentioned yeah exactly i think people just they it's kind of funny they want the rockets to tank but then they want the rockets to win so a lot of times people are kind of confused i i don't know if people are really ready for a rebuilding team and what it takes because i mean i know both of you you know remember the steve francis days and um, even uh, prior to the Steve Francis days, right before that, when the Rockets were kind of transitioning from Akeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler and Charles Barkley, it was a lot of it was some lean years in between all of that. So I think a lot of people just doesn't don't realize what goes into a rebuilding year, and you're just not going to be able to see instant results right away. It's just not how it's going to work when you're dealing with 19 and 20 year old players who, I mean, let's keep in mind, Jalen Green played 15 games last year. I know people got really excited from what they saw from him in the G League, but it was only for 15 games. So, and he didn't play a lot, just like a lot of other players because of, you know, the pandemic and the restrictions. So he definitely hit the rookie wall at some point. And I think he's just finally starting to get over that and starting to get past that. Um, a couple other players, of course, I want to talk about um, are Alperin Shangoon and, of course, Josh Christopher. Um I'll start with you, Britt. What has been your impression of both of them? I, th I think we all realize by now that Alperin Shangoon was definitely a top 10 player that the Rockets absolutely stole at number 16. But what's been your opinion of, of both players? Because, again, Josh Christopher is another one who I think most people were saying that they only drafted him at the time because he was Jalen Green's friend, and we see now that he can actually really play, and he just didn't have that opportunity at Arizona State. So what's been your opinion of the other two um, guys have got regular playing time that were drafted this past year. Mm. I think for Shingun, he's been wonderful. Um, I think he also hit that hit rookie wall, rookie wall pretty early on in yeah. the season. 
uh, well, not, I won't say early on, around December, um, January-ish, he was hitting that. And yeah, I think he's still struggling in some sort of um, aspects. I mean, I know that he won the MVP in Turkey, but he, at most, he probably played 40 games in his um, professional career in Turkey. And that's including, yeah. you know, the Olympics and stuff like that. So, I'm not surprised that he hit the rookie wall and he's having times where he's struggling, but he's, you know, he's 19 years old. I don't even think he's um, has, has had his 20th birthday quite yet. So I, I think I'm very excited to see him. Um, I don't want to compare him to, I, I feel like he has a lot of comparisons to the really good passing bigs, but he has that, um, you know, that court vision that I don't think a lot of, bigs have um in the league right now although i guess it's you know definitely increasing quite a bit um as for josh christopher i really thought at the beginning of the season that he was going to be in the g league and that i don't think that's a bad thing i mean the rockets g league is one of the best g leagues um in the you know in the league and they have been like that since you know the rockets became the um the single affiliate for the vipers so it would not have been a bad thing that he was in the jiggly the whole season, but the awesome thing is that he has shown that he is willing to put in the work and grow and improve. And for him to now be getting, you know, significant minutes in um, for the Rockets and even getting some starter minutes, uh, I it's really impressive. I think that having someone like him as well as, you know, potentially Knicks once he, um, you know, probably comes up um, maybe after the G League se- season. And, a, you know, it really shows that we have a decent guard rotation um, once they grow a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I really did think that Josh Christopher was going to be – he actually played in G League for a few games, but – he he definitely showed, I think, Coach Silas and the coaching staff that he's just too good for the G League. And like you said, I don't think it was even a bad thing. That three games, he actually was the starting point guard, and I think that improved his game overall. Uh, let me get your opinion on that, Tony. What have you seen from, you know, Shangoon and Josh Christopher and how they improved throughout the year? Uh, I'll start with uh, with with Jacob. Uh, Josh Christopher, uh, he was definitely supposed to be a guy that was going to be stashed for the year in uh, the G League. Uh, you could tell from the very beginning. But when he got his opportunities, uh, the man seized him. I mean, there's, there's really nothing else to say about it. Um, every minute he was on the court, I mean, dude was playing with, with that chip on his shoulder. And, I mean, basically he, he forced – Silas to put him into the rotation early because I mean you saw his play in the NBA there's no way you could put him down there uh and stash him in the G League so he kind of put a wrench in their plans because that the plan wasn't to put him in the rotation early but uh he fought his way up and I mean we're we're seeing the results uh in the season um uh, as far as Singoon goes, he's fantastic for a young big man. Um, of course, he makes mistakes just like every other uh, player does, not just rookie, every other player. 
Um, he has some things to figure out, and I'm sure that he will. Um, you can already see him start to figure things out uh, as the season has progressed. Um, and one thing I really like about Shingun is that he's done um, what no other big man outside of what Yao has done in Houston and has actually, like, work out with Akeem and take those things that he's learned and put them on the court. I mean, Dwight Howard probably would have extended his prime probably another three, four years yeah. if he would have actually taken what Hakeem was trying to teach him and, and actually put it towards games. Um, uh, that, that probably would have extended his prime. He might still even be in his prime if he had learned uh, those things and actually learned to implement them. Um, so I like that Shingun is, he's like a sponge, just like Jalen. Uh, they're learning and they're putting their, their best foot forward on the court. Um, as you can see, the, the plan going forward is to, is to get those guys up to speed and then unleash them later on. So, I mean, he's not getting the amount of minutes as probably people think that he should get, but obviously it's part of an organizational plan. So I think that, you know, just be patient and then we'll see what exactly what he could do down the road. Yeah, I mean, the key words, like you said, is patience. I mean, at the end of the day, they're not trying to push everything on all these players this year. I mean, you still have time. They're still young. You still need to find out exactly what they can and can't do. So you still have time to play Shangun. He's going to have plenty of time to play 35 minutes a game. I mean, if, if things are going to go the way a lot of people are thinking they're going to go as far as a possible move uh, moving on from Christian Wood, and he's going to have plenty of playing time. So I just think that right now the main thing is to make sure that he's doing the right things on the court, he's learning what he needs to learn, and then eventually he can get to where he's playing 30, 35 minutes a game. And I think y'all both made great points that the Rockets were uh, – specifically Coach South was probably shocked that – because Shane Goon, at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were saying that Shane Goon may be um, playing some time in the G League. And they play – him and Chris were playing so well. That kind of just derailed those plans, which is a good a good, a good problem to have. But they, they still have to try to figure out the roster and the rotation and who to play and who not to play. So I think they're just learning on the fly. And we got to also remember, this is a young coaching staff, at least when you look at uh, Silas and – and, you know, this being his second year and really his first full year of being able to implement in what he wants to implement in, because last year he didn't really have time to implement in anything. He was just trying to get players off the street to play in the game, so he really didn't have time to implement anything. And so we talk a lot about, like, young players being young and they're still learning, but Coach Childs is still learning too. So it's all a work in progress, and we'll see how all that plays out. Uh, in the last segment I want to talk about, where we kind of go from here, uh, what the Rockets may do as far as a rotation, because um, we know what happened last year. They started shutting some certain players down. Will they do that this year? And I also just want to kind of talk about briefly about what we can expect in the draft and what players might fit better with this current Rockets uh, young core. So please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. 
And continue here to Launchpad Podcast, written by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. All right, in this last segment, we're going to be talking about what we can expect the rest of the season um, from the Houston Rockets, uh, especially since they still have several veterans that did not get traded, um, and they're going to have to probably make a decision at some point if they want to continue to play players like Eric Gordon and David Nwaba and you know, even possibly Christian Wood, or if they're going to get to the point where they're going to start shutting down some of these players so young, some of the young guys can play, maybe eventually even at Uzma Garuba when he comes back from his injury, and a newly signed Deshaun Nix, um, who signed a standard contract uh, like a week or so ago. So they're definitely going to have to try to find some way to get him some playing time as well. And then they have to factor in that Dennis Schroeder, who a lot of people were wondering why the Rockets even traded for him and then decided not to buy him out. Had a really good first game. Second game, well, everybody was horrible in the second game, so I don't know how much you really take from that, that Clippers game. But that first game, he showed that his leadership can be valuable even though he is taking away time from some other players. So I want to kick it off kind of there with you, Brett. Um, what's, what, are you, what are you expecting going on for the rest of the year with the Rockets as far as do you see them shutting down certain players like uh, um, David Nwab or Eric Gordon or even a Dennis Schroeder, or do you see them still kind of playing the same rotations they've been playing for most of the year? Honestly, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think – what I would hope would happen is that they would decrease the amount of time that the veteran players, including Christian Wood, are playing. Um, I don't think they necessarily need to shut them down per se, but if they could reduce their time, it would make a ton of sense. Um, when it comes to Schroeder, I think that he is a, a good influence when it comes to the backcourt and getting those guys a veteran player so I'm not necessarily especially I think the um, Suns game he showed how he can contribute Um, although it's only two games you know things may change and they may waive him they still have time to do that Um, but realistically I mean I think Silas has shown the entire season that he has a method even though folks don't like that method to his madness as in like going through experimenting seeing what works and what doesn't work and going on from there I mean ultimately speaking they're I mean the Rockets are essentially out of the playoffs although you know there is 24 games left they could potentially and it's unlikely that they could win 24 games straight and get into (laughs) the playoffs but more yeah (laughs) But more likely, that is unlikely. And I don't think it's, you know, a bad thing for him to be experimenting, especially in a season where we knew um, that they were going to be in rebuilding mode. They have shown, like, you know, really good moments of success. I would rather have them not get as many blowouts as they've had the last yes, exactly. you know month or so. I think that's the biggest thing I want. But if he continues to want to experiment and see what works and doesn't work so that during the off season, the Rockets um, front office and the coaching staff can make a decision on which players need to stay and go, then I I think that's fine. It's frustrating. I know a lot of people are frustrated about it, but I think it's fine. Yeah. And again, I think you're right that they're experimenting they don't have a 
certain rotation they want to stick with because they're not really competing for anything and they're trying to get ready honestly for next year this is all they're trying to do this year is see what works and doesn't work and then get ready for next year because this year they're not going to the playoffs like you said they're not winning 24 straight games so they're not going to the playoffs they're not really competing for anything they're just trying to see what works and what doesn't uh what's your opinion on where you kind of see the Rockets going from here Tony uh I'm gonna try to make this uh reply as short as possible (laughs) um (laughs) but uh if you look at uh at all the tea leaves um that we've seen uh it looks like that everything from now until uh the summer of 2023 is all going to be about experimenting, see what works, see what players work, see what lineups work, see what rotations work. Um, and then at the summer of 2023, that's when they're either going to pivot or they're going to start going for it. Um, if you look at every deal that they've signed, most of, most of all money ends in 2023. Um, so it looks like that's where we're headed. We're probably going to see more of the same, which is, um, basically openly, but not openly tanking. Um, like I'm looking at games and like lineups are working and then Silas will take them out and put in a lineup that'll blow up the game, which I think he's doing on purpose that this is a, a organizational plan to not only experiment, but to tank to get the best picks, but to not make it super obvious that they're openly taking. Like, That's some deep uh, conspiracy stuff right here. I don't even think it's a conspiracy. <laughs> I think like, I think like everybody can see it. Like if you look at like some of the lineups, like he's put out, you know what I mean? Like, He's put in lineups where there is a bunch of guys that don't really fit together on the court. And I think he's doing that on purpose because, I mean, like the the 76ers, when they were going through the process, they were straight up openly losing games. Like they were, you know, like it was just obvious they were losing games. Um, But the Rockets, um, like you'll see them compete for a good half or a good like three quarters of the game. And then, uh, you know, they'll put in a lineup and the whole thing will blow, will blow up. You know what I mean? So uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of the same. Um, some, some minutes might get reduced, um, but there's going to be a lot of, a lot of lineups uh, that are going to be experimented on. Um, there's going to be a lot of uh, player matches that, you know, we don't, uh, that we won't normally see. But um, it just is what it is because, you know, they're trying to – they obviously have a plan and they're going with it. I mean, a lot of fans are probably not going to be excited about it because it doesn't look flashy and it, it's not going to, like, bring those results. But it's all for the – they're playing the long game. I mean, which is – which I think that, that basically everybody can see, like, this is not going to be, like, a one-year rebuild and then they're going to start competing. No, it's like they're going to clear the books while still gaining young talent, and then they're going to go for it. So 
um, I, I think we're going to see uh, it's, it's going to look a lot like we've seen before in this season, and then we'll see what happens in the draft. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned about the long game. I'm glad you wrote an article exactly about that, that, you know, everybody needs to be patient. That The Rockets aren't playing just for this year. Um, they're playing beyond this year. And like you said, 2023 is going to be a huge year for them because they're going to be have a, some, a lot of money off the – off their cap and they're going to have decisions to make on whether they're trying to go all in or if they're still trying to continue around this, this, the slower uh, pace of bringing in certain guys and not trying to go after superstars. So I think that year is going to be really the huge year for the Rockets to see exactly what they want to do. And yeah, like you say, at the end of the day, they're playing the long game. And part of that long game is this upcoming draft, which is going to be another really important draft for the Rockets. We, we don't really know exactly where they're going to be drafting right now. We do know, Regardless, they're going to keep their pick. So at least that's one good thing. We don't have to sweat about whether they're going to lose their pick like it was a possibility last year. Um, so saying all that, um, I don't know how much y'all follow a lot of college basketball. I'm sure y'all follow this some, especially with the Rockets um, having a lot of interest in a, you know several players at the top of the draft. But from what y'all have seen and what y'all have heard and read, um, I'll start with you, Britt. Who do you think right now – um, of course, you know, before we really go deep into it, the closer we get to the draft, but who do you think right now would be the better fit for the Rockets? And let's just say that Christian Wood is not part of the team next year um, at some point, because I think, unfortunately, that's kind of where we're heading, whether we think that's his fault or not. I think just the way the Rockets are going, I think eventually they're probably going to move on from Christian Wood. But what do you, who do you think is the best fit out of the top I would say three or four players uh, that's going to be in next year's draft. Honestly, I don't know. Like I was initially saying, you know, either Chet or Pablo would be a, you know, good fit. We were initially looking for, you know, a big, but I, I think it really depends on, uh, to be honest, like I, I was thinking like our guard rotation was pretty weak initially but yeah. it's gotten a lot better, even ignoring Schroeder, because who knows where he'll be. He probably won't be a rocket after the end of this year. Um, I think our guard rotation is pretty strong. Um, so I, I think it's probably going to be a big, you know, once again, like we were thinking about at the beginning of the season. Um, overall, I, I think that the Rockets aren't quite in a position to say like, oh, whoever, you know, to try to find a best fit for them. Yeah. They probably should just find the best player all around. And then if there is other opportunities to get, you know, players from free agency or, you know, through trades do that. Um, but other than that, I, I don't really have like, this is the player we have to get. Um, yeah. It's just more, I think they just need to get the best, um, the best player available and move on. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree at the end of the day because there's actually, even outside of top three, you have Jaden Ivy you have a couple other players. So I think wherever they kind of land in the top four or five, I think you're going to get a really good player regardless. Um, Tony, do you have an opinion or do you agree with Brett that basically it's just whoever's the best player you go with that and don't really worry about fit since you're still a rebuilding team? Uh, the three players that I've been looking at, <clears throat> which I think is uh, the same three players that a lot of fans are looking at, is um, we got Banchero, uh, Chet, and um, Jabari from uh, Auburn. Um, out of those three, if it's if Wood is gone, if Wood is 
is like traded on draft night. Um, I don't think there is a, a, a must have out of those three, but uh, I think probably the best would be Chet. I mean, but I mean, it, it's really splitting hairs. Um, I really think you could get either of those three and be happy. Um, as far as uh, what else, because they're going to have another pick uh, with the Brooklyn pick. Um, so depending, I probably think that they would take a small forward because that's really one position that the team really doesn't have. They really don't have a small forward. Yeah. Um, so if, if Wood is staying, then I would think that they would pick in their top three, they would pick a, a guy that could swing out to the three and then maybe draft another big uh, with the Brooklyn pick. If Wood is gone, then I think they pick one of those three that I named and then they go for a small forward uh, with the Brooklyn pick. So I guess we'll see like exactly how they'll do it. But those are the three guys I'm looking at. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a consensus of the top three. I mean, if I had a pick, I would go with Chet just because if you are planning on going with Shangoon um, eventually as your starting center, our power four, however you want to look at it, you're going to need someone that's going to be able to help cover him up on, on the defensive end. I think he's actually not bad, a lot better on defense than most people thought he was going to be. It's just that he is limited athletically as far as being able to be a consistent weak side shot blocker or be a, a type of person. I mean, he can do better in his positioning, but at the end of the day, again, he's not really a above the rim, um, let's say a Jared Allen type or even back in the day, a Clint Capella type where he's going to be able to just shut down the lane. I think you're going to need that. And I think Chet is actually, I mean, I don't think it's going out on a limb saying he's the best defensive player in the draft. So you definitely can use someone like that. Who's also versatile to play actually multiple positions. So, but again, any of those three guys, even if you go with a Jaden Ivy, I would be fine with that. It just kind of depends on where you're going to fall in the draft. Um, Bancaro, um, I would probably rate him third. I, just because I think with Jabari Smith, not only he has the elite shooting, he's also a, a really good de uh, defensive player. He's not really a rim protector, but he's a really solid um, defender out on the perimeter. And Bancaro is more of a mid-ranger. He's a really good passer. Not necessarily somebody that's going to play above the rim, but he's a good uh, post-up player. Um, but he's not really going to be the type of player that I think can help cover up some of Shane Goon's mistakes on defense. So, I would probably go Smith, uh, Holmgren, one of those two guys. But, again, you wouldn't go wrong with any of those three players. Uh, I want to ask one more question before we uh, wrap up this uh, session. And it's kind of a looking into next year. Um, do you think – and I'll start with you, Britt. Do you think the Rockets, um, at least by next year, should at least be competing for a play-in? Do you think the time frame is them at least competing for a play-in next year and should absolutely be in the playoffs uh, two years from now? Uh, what's kind of your opinion on that, Britt? I don't know. In two years, they would absolutely be in the playoffs. Um, I think it really just depends on some of the other teams that are currently ahead of them. Um, I mean, the Pelicans are getting better, although I know um, Zion's having a, a second surgery, which is yeah. not good at all for a big man. Um but I, I, 
you can say that, you know, Sacramento or not Sacramento. Well, I guess Sacramento is always around. Um, yeah, around. <laughs> the, uh, more appropriately, the <laughs> San Antonio Spurs are the ones who are always, you know, in the thick of things. Who knows if Pop is going to finally retire and, you know, have someone else be there. Um, I think that at the very minimum, the next two seasons, they should be competing for a play-in spot. Um, I, I think that, you know, considering that it looks like the play-in spot, the lowest, you know, um, team on the in the play play-in spot is going to be multiple games under five hundred. I, I don't think it's a, you know, it should be a expectation that they can't win close to thirty games next season if the players that they have this season are the ones that they are able to pick up, develop more, and get into the weight room and stuff like that. They really have shown a lot of, you know, a lot. They've had a lot of very good games versus teams that, you know, they wasn't expected to be competitive with. I think the Suns is the most recent example of a, you know, a game that they almost won um, and probably should have based on the two minute report. Um, but I think they should be in, they should be competing for a play in spot. I don't know about the playoffs in two years. I think that's probably yeah. more like three or four years out, but definitely next year and the year after they should be close to or in a play-in spot. Yeah, and I think that's a good observation. I mean, it's kind of, I know it's kind of hard to say projecting out that far. I mean, again, it, like you said, it depends on other teams. What does Portland end up doing? Does Zion Wilson actually ever play for New Orleans again? At this point, we really don't know. Um, does Minnesota continue to, you know, they seem like they're getting a little bit better um, as the season goes along. So, yeah, it definitely depends on a lot of other factors. Um, Tony, what's kind of your opinion? Do you see the Rockets at least having a chance to complete for the play-in considering, I mean, it is 10 teams and the teams that are in the same kind of group and they are aren't exactly world beaters themselves. So what are you expecting from the Rockets next year? Um. Could they do they have a chance to compete for the play-in? Sure. Um, I think they could. Um, I think a lot of it is going to depend on uh, what shakes loose um, as far as the draft, uh, free agency, um, you know, how free agency is at the beginning of the year. So um, it's there's a lot of variables. So it's going to be really hard to predict until we get closer uh, to the beginning of the season. Um, because you really have to see what, what's going to happen with John Wall, um, the Schroeder comeback, um, what happens with Gordon. Uh, so there's a lot of variables to really think about. So it, it's hard to say, but I think they could. Um, I think the, the plan is to really not worry about anything until the 2023-2024 season. And that's when, you know, when it's ball game. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking that that the first three years of Silas's tenure is basically like, look, man, I know you came here to coach Westbrook and Harden. That didn't happen. So uh, we're going to give you two or three years to figure this thing out, and then we're going to start evaluating you. So <clears throat> I think that's where they're at right now. Um, I think a playing game or being close to the play-in is going – would very – very much helped them um, to attract the free agent uh, in the 2023-2024 season. 
So I could see them going for it just for just for that benefit. Um, but I don't think that it's something that must happen, if that makes any sense. Um, no, actually, I think, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I don't think that they're beholden to, oh, we, you better make the playoffs next year. Um, I think at the end of the day, they just – to me, anyway, you can't have the worst record or be one of the worst teams. You got to at least be to the point where Britt brought up early where you're not getting blown out once every two or three games. At least got to be competitive in a lot of these games. Um, because I think at some point, you know, I think everybody here has been level-headed when we say, you know, you can't fire Coach Salish after one year or into his second year. You can't do that. But at some point, yeah, they are going to have to win or his seat will get high. I mean, it's just the way it is, especially in sports these days. It's going to get to that point. So you definitely want to see them make some type of improvement. Um, even next year, if they're not, you know, fighting or in the play on, play in, they definitely, at least two or three years from now, they have to be at a point where we're not worrying about where they're going to draft in the top three. <laughs> you know, they definitely need to get past that point at the very least. Uh, before we wrap up the show, uh, Britt uh, and Tony definitely want to, uh, give you an opportunity to let everybody know where they can find your content. So we'll kick it off with you, Britt. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Britt Robotista. That's B-R-I-T-R-O-B-O-T-I-S-T-A. Um, I was also on another podcast recently, which is the um, Capital City Go-Go podcast with my friend Sam um, talking about the Vipers. And you can find that um, I have a link to it on my um, Twitter page in case you want to listen to that. And uh, Tony, if you can let everybody know where to find all your great content and your full-time trolling. Uh, again, if you want to, if you want to find me on Twitter, <laughs> it's uh, Coltrane underscore TNT. Uh, if you're, if you're sensitive about the jokes, uh, you might, <laughs> you might not want to, I bring that energy to me because I mean I am twenty four seven with the jokes. So <laughs> if you want to come and bring the energy, it, just expect the same energy in return. Yeah, I man, <laughs> you're definitely one of the crazier followers on Twitter. I definitely give you that, and <laughs> you don't back down. So we always appreciate that, and we also always appreciate Britt. She's probably the most level headed person on Twitter that I know. So. Um, Y'all definitely balance each other out, so I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> that's going to uh, do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.